With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a special edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. It's the Australian Open special edition podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. The Australian Open is heading to a conclusion here. I'm James Martin with Steve Tigner and Peter Bodo. And it's getting interesting, guys. We had a great match that uh, ended abruptly and surprisingly with Murray and Nadal last night or in the morning or whenever you're watching the match. And uh, uh, first off, you know, watching it, how well did Murray play last night? I mean, he really shrunk the court on Nadal. I was really impressed with the, his movement, his speed. He knew when to attack. He knew when to stay back and, and play defense. And Nadal really raised his game, I thought, in that second set. He was hitting great shots, but Murray had an answer for everything. And then, you know, obviously everything's going to get overshadowed a bit uh, by Nadal pulling out and retiring at 3-love in the third set with that right knee injury. But before we talk about that, I want to get what, what do you guys think about the way Murray played because he's got to be looking as one of the favorites to win this tournament right now. Well, he learned his lesson, I think, from from the past couple slams. You know, the only thing the only the only thing you can say about the guy is that he hasn't really performed, you know, up to some expectations in the majors. And I think that's about to change. I think it's going to be a great match. He's got Chilich coming up, which means last year it was Chilich who sort of, you know, almost humiliated Murray in the U.S. Open. It was a little like Murray wasn't even there. And I think this is a, it's a great kind of what goes around comes around poetic justice kind of a match. Now Murray's going to get a chance to kind of redeem himself. This is a different Murray, you know, Steve. That that. I saw last night then against Silich at the U.S. Open. I mean, he, he, was all, he was covering that court as well as I think anyone can cover a court. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if, if you, you rarely see Rafa play well and get, still get beaten. He, Rafa upped his game in the second set and then really you know, played probably at his highest level for the later part of that set. And Murray still had the answers. He had the serve. He had a stronger backhand that, that he could take Nadal's forehand and hit his backhand, move Rafa cross-court, and he, he could also cover the court when Rafa was on offense. So he, anything Rafa threw at him, he had it. it was, this is the Murray, this is the style of play that, that has won Murray a lot of matches, but not a lot of slam matches. Uh, but he's also a good matchup for Nadal because Murray gets to, he has a chance to play his game and, well, as opposed to being uh, bossed around. Well, Murray wanted this match. They asked him you know, before uh, Nadal had made it into the, this round who he wanted to play and he said he wanted he wanted Nadal I think he was really up for this match and I, you know I, it was almost like everything that he's been working toward his fitness was there obviously he wasn't tested um, he has been serving harder but he really won a significant number of points free points or points outright on that serve against Nadal and even Nadal in the press conference was mentioning how unbelievable he served and really kept Nadal off guard with that his return has obviously always been solid and he was moving well. I mean, it was the complete package out there. Hey, Murray's doing like a fair impersonation of a Croatian there, guys. You notice that? I mean, what's up with Croatia? Must be something in the water. I mean, gosh, you got the, you got guys like starts with like Goran, you know, and then you've got Cilic, you've got Lubicic. You got these guys are monsters. They serve like crazy. They they're big, you know. They're tall. Ivo Karlovic. I don't know. Something's going on over. Maybe Andy Roddick is kind of an honorary Croatian. Murray's kind of looking like he's maybe an understudy for that too. Well, he's he's definitely bopping up a serve, and and that's going to help him in the next round and against Silic. And what do you guys think of that? I mean, 
I'm going to go with Murray. I, I think he hasn't played a lot of tennis. He's he's gotten through his opponents in pretty quick order. He's looking fresh. Silich, you know, he he could have won that. I think he should have won that against Roddick. It was a pretty boring match, frankly. Um, you know, Roddick did push it, you know, into the fifth set, but uh, I don't know. I just don't see Silich coming you have to, I think you have to go with Murray just on his uh, superior form, but Cilic is obviously a tough out. He's the thing I've been most impressed with with him is his resilience. He's he lost the fourth set of the last two matches he played, but he he came back and won the fifth set, which is it shows that Roddick said afterwards he was amazed by Chilich's composure. That's the that's the thing that stuck out with him the most, and it's true the guy doesn't get up or down at all. I don't know if I've seen anybody since since Borg who was so so calm, so placid, in at all times. What you know. You however, mean however he's doing. You mean boring? Yeah, that's code for boring, <laughs> boring? I think. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a he's a you know. Come on, don't hedge it. He's Steve. a tennis fan's Give player. He's a player's player. He's he, there's nothing flashy, but he, he also doesn't do much wrong. Oh my God, we're getting sort of toward thinking man's tennis player territory here. He is true. I mean, he is he he uses the the width of the court better than a lot of the players because of his length, his size. He can be pulled out wide, and and he can still do a lot with the ball and. He is. He, I think you're right. It's going to be a tough out, but Murray seems to be in form. And before we look at the uh, other half of the draw. Yeah, but hold everything for one second. Here. Let's remember, Chilich has played a pile of five-set matches. At some point, that starts to tell. Either oh, it absolutely. tells on the legs or it starts to tell in a, in a fighting spirit and the emotions. The guy's sort of a little bit behind an eight ball here, I think, with the amount of mileage on his clock at this tournament. He's also gone as far as he probably hoped to go at this point. I mean, Murray, probably the guy who has has the expectations to win the tournament. I think this is Chilich, the fur- furthest he's gone at a slam. Uh, so, Although know. Chilich did say when he got to the quarters, he, he said in the press conference, he said, you know, I'm glad I made the quarters. Like to what you're saying, Steve, you know, I'm, I wanted to get here. This is the best, but I'm not going away just because I've reached my goal. He, he's got the right attitude. He's, he's got, he said he's worked really hard to get here, but he's not satisfied. I don't, think he, I don't know if he's satisfied. I think he does want to go further. I, I think it's going to be more of just a question of, you know the the tennis and, and and Kenny, you know, physically hold out has since he has had some long matches, but uh, it should be an interesting matchup. But I know that uh, the folks at ESPN are certainly going to be pulling for a Murray in the final, and not a Silich, or their ratings will probably crash. But uh, what about Nadal? Before we go to the other half of the draw, are we are we you know years ago people were saying, oh Nadal, he's going to get injured, he's going to be hurt, his style plays too hard on his body, and he kept proving people wrong, kept coming back, kept doing well, winning the French, then Wimbledon, Australian Open. Seems now, I mean, this is the fourth major in a row where Nadal has had an issue. He obviously wasn't 100% with Sutherland at the French, didn't play Wimbledon, was coming back from injury at the U.S. Open, and here he's had to retire. It's that right knee again. He doesn't know, obviously, having just hurt it, how bad it is, but are, are we finally seeing what everyone thought was going to happen to Nadal? Well, this is a little different than, than last year. He came back from a late-season injury, the knee problem. He came back, and he won the Australian Open. He was fine for six months. Now he comes back for a few tournaments and he's hurt again so that that's not a good sign but he was also hurt at the Australian Open two years ago so I don't know this this is a little worse than than some of his his past injuries I yeah think. you hate to think of it his goose might be cooked just in terms of getting that rhythm a guy like you know Nadal he really needs to get you know I mean look at his great performances have really been during a clay court season where he can grind match after match he can impose himself use that stamina that he's got and everyone's kind of walking around looking at the sky like he's 10 feet tall and bulletproof I mean and now you know this vulnerability issue comes in and everyone you know it, it, it's a tough tough position he's in he's a momentum player I mean when he came back after last year last summer missing Wimbledon he was saying he hadn't he, he didn't feel he has played enough matches and, and that was contributing a little to the rust so Will be interesting. I hope hopefully he won't be out too long because the, the the sport is definitely worse 
off without him. Um, looking at the other um, matches we have on the men's side left, we have Novak Djokovic and uh, Sanga coming up. Uh, what do you guys... It's Djokovic has won two. Sanga has won four in that head-to-head. So even though Djokovic won their last match in Miami, Sanga has the edge there. Could be entertaining match with uh, Sanga and Djokovic, a couple charismatic guys out there. It's pretty tough to predict Djokovic's form at this point. He hasn't played... He hasn't been tested at all. Well, you picked him to win, right, Steve? I picked him to win because of that, because because he had the easiest draw. But but Sanga is the, you know kind of the ultimate wild card. You don't know what that guy's going to do from one point to the next. He he made the final here a couple years ago. He he really tested Djokovic in that match. He, he you know he can beat Djokovic. He, he's coming off a, a five setter, and he's he he's never been consistent uh, except for that Australian Open through a major. So I would still. Still pick Djokovic in this well, match. Well, it's his Australian opening end, though. So, you know, I mean, I, th- I think the guy's very well set up to have a good Australian. It's a, it's, a, it's a real sort of gut check, I think, for Djokovic because everyone's now talking about him, him again. I mean, you picked him, Steve, to win a tournament. A lot of people looking at him. He's, he's kind of cruised through the early rounds. He's got his moment set up for him here, but he's got a big hurdle here. Well, that's a kiss of death, though, right? Well, there you go. <laughs> According to your readers, it is. <laughs> that's a so Hopefully you didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have the, the, the marquee matchup uh, for a lot of people, anyway. Federer and Davy Danko. Oh, please, James. Come on, stop with the Davy Danko. I know you picked all, the guy to win a tournament, but please. I'm sticking with him. I'm sticking with him. Federer has won 12 of their head-to-head, and Davy Danko's only won two. But it's the last two matches they played, the World Tour Finals last year and, of course, in Doha this year. You know, he, yeah, you get the sense Davy Danko, is, does he take himself seriously as a slam contender? Um, he hasn't played all that well. I mean, I didn't think that match against Verdasco, yeah, he won it, but he didn't look as sharp as he has in previous matches, I'm sticking with him. But, I mean, Federer's, you know, no, Federer's just doing what he's doing. He's Do I detect a little well. backing off here, Steve? No, no, I'm, no. St- I'm sticking with him, yeah. but. <laughs> no, I'm sticking with him, but you can't deny Federer is just quietly kind of just going about his business pretty methodically. Yeah, before the tournament started, Djokovic said about Federer that he's the best at getting into his best form during a slam, uh, and that's proving to be true again. He, he hadn't played all that well from the U.S. Open until now, and suddenly – Against Hewitt, he looks, he looks like he's at his best. I think this could be a situation like Agassi and Sampras in 95 when Agassi beat Sampras in two of the warm-up events for the Open, and then, and then Sampras turned the tables on him in the match that counted. So wait a second. Now we're comparing Davidenko to Sampras or Agassi to Sampras? Uh, Davidenko to, to Agassi. Agassi. Yeah. Davidenko <laughs> to Agassi, yes. Which is a good one. Man, they you guys drink the Kool-Aid. I can't believe this. They look alike. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't rate Davidenko well, in this at all? I don't know. You he saw looks that. like well, Andre. No, look, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I like Yankee and Chain about that. But basically, I mean, the other guys played very well. But it's a grand slam. We've seen how Roger steps up in grand slam. There's a reason Davidenko has not won a grand slam to this point. You don't see many guys especially up there in that, you know, sort of top 10 area who know how to win matches, who, you know, who, who've won a couple of tournaments. You don't see a lot of those guys' late career coming up and winning a, winning a major. And I'll tell you what I saw against Verdasco wasn't very convincing. Verdasco practically begged him on his hands and knees to take the match, and it took, you know, five wearing, grinding sets. So I don't know. The, you know, God bless him. The you know, jury's out. The guy's playing really, really well. But, uh, boy, I think it's an awful long way to a final. It's his best shot. I mean, obviously, even though it is Federer, he has the momentum in the head-to-head right now, having won two. So you got to figure if Davidenko is ever going to make a move at, at this stage in his career, it's, it's going to be this match. He, he really just has to stick to his game plan, I think, which is continuing to serve well. Obviously, you hope to, I mean, whether he can or not, but he has to serve aggressively and, and take the ball on the rise and, and, and keep coming to the net and trying to, to mix up his points because I think that's what's separated him from you know years past. And obviously, uh, he, he, 
used to be more of the backboard variety, and, and I think he can. I think he has a chance, and I, I'm sticking with him. But uh, you guys look like you're going with better. I was surprised at how down he got in that Verdasco match. How frustrated that maybe that's a sign of some some pressure at this tournament. You don't really see him do that too often. And he certainly hasn't done it in recent tournaments when he's been playing well. I think he's. I mean, maybe you think the pressure is getting to him, all the hype, all the press conferences, everyone talking about how he's one of the favorites? Well, well hey, go back to that semi he had with Federer in the French Open. I mean, you know, granted, the French Open semis, a, you know, th that's a rough situation, that first semi, because you're playing there, there's nobody in the stands yet, it's a semifinal at a major. Still, I mean, you know, he, you know, he goes out there, he was playing very well at that time, too, and Federer just took it to him. That, you know, Davidenko looked like he couldn't do a darn thing, and, you know, so, I mean, I think, you know, the, the guy is consistently basically disappointed people on a grand, uh, the Grand Slam level in later stages. So, you know, this, this Verdasco match was not a good omen for him. Well, we've had the we've always done those those stories, you know, the best player never to win a slam. I guess right now Davidenko is the best player not to reach a final of a Grand Slam. And uh, we'll see if he can end that uh, tomorrow or tonight, I should say. And uh, then we have on the women's side, one of the uh, semifinals is set. And, that, of course, Justine Hennon coming through last night. Uh, and she will um, – what did you guys think of that first off? I mean, I, I thought that Hennon, you know, she played okay against Petrova, wasn't the best of matches. She was down 3-love, and then Petrova let her off the hook a bit, and Hennon just basically looked – he's just a quality above. I thought Justine was good, but um, not great, and the serve wasn't great. Petrova – I was a little disappointed in Petrova. She seemed to find a way to lose it. She had, she had chances in both sets, but, but um, just, let, just played well enough to, to let Justine go by. So I, I think Zizheng is going to give give Justine a hard time. I like I like Zizheng a lot after seeing that match last night. You know she, uh, you know she's got really really happy feet. I don't I, don't, I can't remember a woman, including Justine, who gets back in position as quickly and as well as Zhang does after she hits a shot. So I think that tells me that she's going to be able to yank Justine around that court. And that little topspin Justine hits, while I might present Zhang, who's kind of small, some problems, having hit the ball from pretty high up, I think Zhang is going to have a little bit more time to get to those balls. I mean, if she plays anywhere near the way she did against Kirilenko, I think she could really give Justine a lot of trouble, especially because you got to figure at this stage, Justine is feeling a grind of of, you know, four or five matches in a Grand Slam event. So uh, I kind of like Zhang's chances in that match. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really, I mean, Kirilenko obviously having her best slam, but she's not that great of a player, let's face it. She's easy on the eyes, but she's not, I would not rate her as a, a top player. And so, I mean, coming in now having to face Hennon, I think that's going to be a whole different story. Uh, you know, the aggressiveness of Hennon. I think, to me, when I, what I saw with Hennon last night, I think what's going to be key against Zheng and also in the final is, is her serve because we saw it go off a little bit yesterday with the toss. Sometimes she's throwing it too low. She's sometimes throwing out too too far to the right. And it it's not like a Novanovich thing where it's it's the yips or anything, but she's it's definitely tinkered. <laughs> well, she's tinkered with the toss, and, and, and it has it is causing her to hit some aces and look good, but it's, it's – I mean, Steve, what do you think about that serve? I, I, I think that – I think she's going to get through the semis. I, I think that Zheng Ji is, is a good player. But I think Hennon's aggressiveness and her and her smart bit, just the fact that she's going to want the moment, she's going to have that experience of all those grand slams is going to get her through that. I think it's in the final facing one like Serena, who is going to just eat that serve up. Yeah, I don't love her toss. It's still too far in front of her for a for a good second serve. But but the one thing she has going, she has Carlos Rodriguez coaching her in the in the stands. What do you Constantly. guys think of that? Has that that I haven't heard much made of that the way it was with Maria Sharapova a few years ago at the U.S. Open, but. But Carlos was definitely doing, making very specific, um, giving very specific advice to Justine during the match yesterday. It, it was it was incredibly blatant, and like you could tell, he was raising his hand as if you telling her to move to her right after Petrova 
toss the ball. That's right. On a return. I don't know. You know, guys, I, you know, I'm all for playing with the rules. I don't like the idea of on-court coaching and stuff. But, you know, how do you control that stuff? I mean, you know, to me, it's a little like, you know, you shouldn't have rules that you can't There's really There's something called enforce. an umpire, right? I mean, they yeah, can the see umpire's it. That's how you control court, it. They, they abdicate. They abdicate any authority. These umpires, they've, they've been hammering at Pam Shriver in particular on ESPN about the time they take between points because they were timing Kirilenko last night. She's taking 35, 40 seconds between, between points, which is ridiculous, and, that, and Gilbert's going on about the shot clock, and, and then there's this coaching with Carlos Rodriguez, which is illegal. It's illegal, and how do you control it if, if you, know, you want to take it seriously? The umpire, the chair umpire, has to, has to do his or her job, and they're not doing it. Yeah, but it's hard for the chair umpire to look for that stuff. Look, I mean, look, it's not that hard. If they really want to cut down communication in that in that regard, all they need to do is put someone like a you know a tournament supervisor, a referee, or somebody like designated person to watch to the watch boxes. I think they ought to put like a Ronald McDonald type guy in a box, <laughs> and whenever somebody starts coaching, he jumps up and starts waving his arms around, <laughs> That's good. you know, That's embarrass the hell out of him. You know, That's the way to do or it. Or you but. just put the coaches on the court and make it legal. Well, yeah, I guess you could. I, that just bugs me. I don't know the idea of having somebody out there, and you know, it's already bad enough how much they, re, you know, especially the WTA players rely on these coaches. But you know, to some degree, there's only so much you can do. I mean, you know, if 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 you come up with this, you can come up with a signal system. Okay, when I lift my left shoulder, it means you got to, you know, you got to toss the ball a little further to your right. I mean, you could come up with a pretty easy set of signals to convey to players. So I just don't see how you police it. Wasn't that beyond the a certain thing? Point. Like he, you know, didn't Tyriac do that with Velas? He, oh yeah, he, yeah, they had they had the whole move his left and eyebrow and yeah, he had a little code book you know you look at the code like during a war when you you, you, you <laughs> figured out what the codes were but that's what i mean though this is a, there is a history of this intent at least make him work back. at least make him work for it i mean yeah, carlos yeah. rodriguez was i mean he might as well have just gotten up walked on the court and talked to him he was basically like, yelling to her well the blatancy bother that's the one thing that does bother me if you're gonna have a rule you can't sit by and have people blatantly violate it and just say duh we didn't see anything and, and then what do you think on that same point, because they've been hammering it on TV, with the, t- the time they're taking between points and also time they're taking it for the challenges. I, I, I seem, it seems to be more on the women's side they're taking more time, not to, not to make a gross generalization, but it does. I do get the feeling, having watched this tournament so far, that it's the women that are tending to take more time to challenge going up and, and deliber- deliberating whether, oh, should I challenge looking at the mark, asking the, the, ref- the umpire. As a spectator, I don't, I don't mind that as much just because the women's matches are so much shorter. That right. With the men, when the men are taking 30 seconds, 35 seconds, over the course of three or four sets, that, that lengthens, lengthens a match. Well, yeah, big time. That's big another time. one that's not that hard to solve. You know, you basically you install a buzzer. When you start that shot clock, and you know, why not? Basketball has a buzzer. Why shouldn't tennis have a buzzer? You start that shot clock, and basically the umpire has a little button. When that guy gets ready, when he, when he makes his toss, the umpire stops that shot clock so you don't have a screw-up. And, of course, there's going to be a screw-up. Somebody's going to get buzzed while he's in the middle of a service toss. But, I mean, it is not that hard to control. And, again, I don't think it's really kind of like the umpire's job to be looking at the clock and then have him turn his head, look at the guy on the other side, unless they put the clocks right behind the players at both ends. I mean, I think but, – but, but, but there are solutions to all these problems. And tennis really should act more The umpire's got a lot of things to do. He's got to yeah. look at the clock. He's got to yeah. look at the coaches. He's got to right, exactly. look at the court. I, I, I hate to agree with the, 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 the – Stop the clock, the stop clock on the court or whatever. But I think that probably is something that may be needed eventually, just because I, yeah, it's hard for the umpire to constantly do it. And they also, you know, I I have a feeling like in all sports, the the umpire may you know use dis- yeah they use discretion and maybe they don't call you know Nadal for for taking too much time for most of the set, and then all of a sudden no, no, they no, decide to on. do it. Discretion, the, using discretion, now you open a whole can of worms. That, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think the, the clock is something that they, they eventually have to go to because I think the the, the umpire I just does to, do that. I'd oh, love okay. to see a Wimbledon final end on the. I'm on just the looking buzzer. at you. <laughs>
There's something abrasive. Shot clock buzzer. Yeah, there's something abrasive about a shot clock and 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 whatever. I think they if they do it, they need to make it not so conspicuous. Where yeah, someone's well, about to, to serve and you hear <laughs> like this. It well, would not be. Uh, well, that's perfect, fun. actually. It's silent. The guy's lining up. He's bouncing the ball. All of a sudden, the thing goes off, and the umpire's, oh, my God, the shot clock went off. Can you hear, can you hear Drysdale and McEnroe <laughs> going, going on that? You know, I, I think that's actually better. It's, it's kind of like Hawkeye's pretty intrusive, too, when you come right down to it, especially for the viewer, but people love it. Well, it does bring you into it a little bit, so maybe the shot clock would. Well, here's one, two players that aren't getting coaching, and, a, and something that I found very funny was uh, the Williams sisters not getting coaching during their matches, and Orsine Williams has said, that uh, she's going to retire and not travel the tour with her da- her daughters before they stop playing, and that's the reason she's been wearing sunglasses on court is because she's been falling asleep during her matches. Yeah, she's tired of napping <laughs> in right. player boxes. I mean, maybe a bit tongue in cheek, but uh, I thought it was quite funny. But let's get to that. The, the Williams sisters in the other half of the draw have a couple uh, quarterfinals. First, Venus versus Li Na. Li Na defi- definitely a different player than uh, Zhang Ji. Li Na has a bigger game, uh, bigger forehand, bigger serve. She's going to make more errors though. But so is Venus. So this could be a real up and down, down match. I think. Yeah, Wait. you have to look at um, Venus. I mean, it's surprising that she's here. She's she hasn't done that well at the Australian Open for a while. But she's she's played her way into the tournament. Well, I I, I don't know who you would pick in this match because Lee Knight is a good player. If but she's she's had inconsistency. She's had she's had injuries. But um, but I I think you still have to like Venus. And as far as Serena and Azarenka, they. They played a good match here last year. Azarenka had her until she got sick, and then Azarenka beat her at in Miami a couple months later. Um, so I think Serena, which makes me think that Serena will win this match. She'll she will be ready and 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 determined to win. Well, this Well, you match. can't really go against Serena at this thing anymore. She proves it time and time again. She went out there yesterday and took Stozer apart. Everybody thought Stozer would have such a good shot, and I think she did. The fact is, Serena just Serena's serve is in an entirely different league from the other women, and so is her return. And you know, how's anybody gonna you know sort of argue with that? It's stuff. I uh, my feeling is that we may have a, uh, you know, we may have a Chinese finalist in a slam. That would be kind of an interesting, an interesting setup there. I think uh, you know, and, and when you think about it, China's produced some quality players. Some of these girls have played really, really well. You know, they haven't quite punched through to the final, but they came you know within semifinals. And you know, may, maybe the time has come. Yeah, I, I think once you get down to the business end of a tournament like this, though, I do think Justine's experience and 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 just her will to want want to win i think does tell and is going to be the is going to be the factor that gets her through to the final well, maybe it won't be the belgians who rescue women's tennis it'll be the chinese <laughs> yeah. well justine will get three games against serena so do you think so because well, I, I i don't think so i mean i i think i well, think, you think she'll get two no I, th- I think she'll make it close I, I don't think she'll win if if that were the final um i do think Serena's gonna you know get through Azarenka. i think that's going to be a lot of grunting hit your mute button for that one but um you know, and she'll beat Venus probably. I, you know, I think it'll be another close match. But I don't think Serena has it easy going to the final. If she has to beat Azarenka, then Venus, then Justine, that's a pretty good run. When she's no, Azarenka's tough for her. I think Azarenka's yeah. a tough match for her. Yeah, she's earned it. But I think she's, I think she's determined to, to play this tournament clean, to, 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 to play her best, not to throw in any crazy matches or crazy moments, um, determined to show that she belongs at number one. Well, you know, they had that whole coat swap thing, too, with Zvonna Raver there that was kind of interesting. So it looks like, uh, you know, right now Azarenka put up one little one little advantage there. And I was kind of surprised that she, she didn't, uh, uh, Zvonna Raver didn't get a, a game in that last set. But um. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, it'll be fun. I, I think, you know, for my money, who are you, what are you guys going with? Serena, I guess Pete's going with uh, Zhang Ji in the final. What do you like, Steve? Uh, I take Serena and Justine. That's what I'm going with as well. And I think we all agree Serena's... 
the person to win. I think as soon as Kleister's lost, we all kind of felt that. I think everyone felt that it was Serena's tournament to win. And uh, we will be back later this week, and we'll preview the women's and, and men's finals. And uh, we'll see how our picks are doing and uh, look at the weekend's action. So with Steve Tigner and Pete Bodo, I'm James Martin. Join us again. And also wanted to add before we leave this podcast, if any of you guys want to send in questions through email, go to tennis.com. And go to the podcast section. You'll find there uh, an email button. Send in some questions, comments. Uh, keep them clean, of course. And, tell us how uh, great we are. That's right. Tell us how great we are. But we want to start uh, fielding some questions. I know Pete and Steve will also be soliciting some stuff on their blogs. But uh, get this thing a little more interactive heading into uh, the post-Australian Open season. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.